0: welcome to Gibraltar Stories. As this coming Sunday, the 8th of March, marks International Women's Day, I thought it appropriate to spend a few weeks speaking to some of the inspiring women I've met within the Gibraltar community while it's been my home. Over the coming weeks, I hope to bring you some conversations with women from all walks of life in Gibraltar and give them a platform to speak about what they do. When I first launched Gibraltar Stories back in January last year, my intention was to bring a true representation of Gibraltar's diverse community, and that meant interviews with as many women as men. That, though, proved a little difficult. It would seem that women are rather less inclined to say yes when asked to speak for a project like this. Hopefully, this female-biased series of episodes will go towards correcting that imbalance. The first inspiring Gibraltar woman I spoke to is Denise Matthews, a mother and, in her own words, a feisty businesswoman with her own PR company. She's also chapter director of Startup Grind Gibraltar, an organisation which connects startup businesses, forging a community for entrepreneurs.
1: She's determined that as a woman in business, she should lead by example. It's important to me. It's not just important because I'm a woman, but it's important to me to. Ha- be able to have those conversations with women and help build their confidence. Because I think what what most women lack is the confidence to put themselves out there. Whereas, you know, men don't really bother that much. But I also think we've had the conversations and we talk about how we need to have a more diverse workplace and engage with more women in the workplace. But it's actually, let's just Take more action rather than have more conversations about empowerment. Let's just do what we need to do, the women who can do something.
0: Denise Matthews has long been a champion of people's rights. Back in 1994, she was the plaintiff in a court case against the European Union, which won the people of Gibraltar the right to vote in European elections. Fast forward 26 years and she's still taking on the big boys. Despite working in a city which has just over 30,000 inhabitants and up against 600 other chapters, she recently won Director of the Year at the Startup Grind Global Conference in San Francisco, becoming the first woman ever to win the title. I went along to her office in Gibraltar's World Trade Centre just after she returned from the States to have a chat about her life, her career and what drives her on. I started by asking her how she would describe herself.
1: Probably as a feisty uh, businesswoman is probably a good way to describe me. Um, Very, very much a determined kind of a person, but also that's that comes from my family Um. I come from a family where my father's always been what I would call an activist, Um, never wanted to be politically um directly politically involved in anything in Gibraltar but but very much fought for rights in in many things but always with a very proud sentiment towards defending Gibraltar and the Gibraltarians. And and my mother also, she's she's very passionate about everything she does. Now in you know, now in her retirement she's a successful artist. So I think it's it's very much ingrained in our family. So
0: so, growing up, you were, were you always interested in in politics and such like, you know, as an
1: observer. I think more than anything, what I have grown up with is that when you feel something is right, you have to you have to defend that, and you have to stand by that, and you have to do anything that's in your power to to push back. Um, that can be political, personal, uh, business wise a lot of the time it comes with with frustrations and sentiments that you know I, I, with the years I've I've grown to eliminate in my personal life as well because you know unfortunately things don't always go your way especially in politics um but Gibraltar has always been a, in in a very precarious situation because we depend on so many external factors and those are not necessarily on our side um but Thankfully, the resilience of growing up in a place like Gibraltar, the community resilience, is something quite unique.
0: And what was it that that spurred you on to go and and take a step into the political sphere yourself and and fight as a teenager for (laughs) Gibraltar to be recognised on the European stage?
1: I think it was more of an opportunity. It wasn't something that I myself was... uh, it kind of came into my head that I wanted to do this. The conversation started with obviously um people who were in the know of of this kind of um legal issue that they could take to the courts. And my father had been speaking to um Michael Yamas and he um they both came into contact through this sort of idea that um, Gibraltar should be able to vote legally should be able to vote so the conversation started with them and then further down the line there was the um, conversation about the plaintiff and who uh, the plaintiff should be what those requirements or criteria should be in order for the case to be able to win essentially Um, and it had it, it was decided back then that it should be somebody who was Gibraltarian. There were various options, but it should be somebody who was Gibraltarian, and then coincidentally, somebody who had turned eighteen um, when they were denied the right to vote at the European elections. So very, you know, much what I was at that time. So they approached me and said, you know, would you be willing? To put your name down as as a plaintiff, you know you don't really have to do much more than that at this stage. We don't know how much you'll have to do, but are you prepared to to go through with this? It's going to take a long time, and I didn't even think about it. I said, absolutely. If this is going to help us, if it's going to ensure that we we are identified as as a jurisdiction that has been left out of something that we should have been included in then absolutely so that's how it came about um and i have to say that the credit is not to me but to the lawyers who um fought the case um one of them is our chief minister fabian picardo so i think that it's come full circle after many years unfortunately now leaving the eu but uh, but i think gibraltar has made a stand in the past and will make a stand again
0: how do you feel now, having gone through this and, and, and won the vote for Gibraltar, so that anybody who was living here, myself included, mm-hmm. had been able to vote in the EU elections as part of the south-west of mm-hmm. England constituency, yeah. which is, we're very southwest, aren't we? Really? Yes. <laughs> um, how do you feel now, though, that we have lost the right to do that because of Brexit?
1: Well, I have mixed feelings. Obviously, the main thing is that we don't really know how this is going to pan out. I don't think anyone does, not even in the UK. But the fact remains that the EU has never really looked out for Gibraltar. And I'm not saying the UK has either, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, the fact that we had to go to court to get the right to vote is a clear indication that they we're never really a, a big part of the EU in the first place. However, like I said we've made a stand and we'll continue to make a stand and I think that's what's important and that we adapt with the agility of the small jurisdiction that we are that we can have those conversations and take action quickly hopefully will be what will help us survive long term.
0: Now, the way you've spoken about the fact that, you know, the people of Gibraltar have always had to fight, mm-hmm. that's something that I've come across so much, especially when I've been researching the podcast from the, the civilian population being evacuated, you know, lock, stock and barrel during World War Two to, to give way to the war effort. And then, of course, the, the struggles that were faced while the frontier was closed and then um, building up everything in the yeah. years since. What do you think it is about the Gibraltarian people that makes them so determined to fight for what they're entitled to, and to promote this this wonderful little place that we live in. Uh,
1: I would say that there is a sense of community, uh, of inclusion, and also a very strong sense of uh, civic pride, and that makes Gibraltar come together. Um, with all the different cultures and different religions that coexist here, which is also something very unique to to uh, a country or city. Um, I would definitely say that the fight comes naturally to a sense, only because we have such a privileged way of life here that has been constructed from the many talented um, Gibraltarians and ancestors who have, you know, creatively adjusted to the fact that we're small we are logistically located next to a bit of a hostile um, country in terms of of how we present ourselves to the world so that in itself is it's a defense mechanism that has come through the generations and I don't think we see it exactly as we always have to put up a fight but it's worth the fight because we know that it's the right thing to do, and that's a. It's a cultural thing. So uh, all of these small uh, fights, or you know, in some cases much bigger, uh, are also triumphs for for our communities. So I think that's why that's why we do it.
0: Fantastic. Now, fast forward yes. from beginning this battle at the age of nineteen through to. Um, where we are today mm-hmm. you are a businesswoman yes and um, you're very much a kind of a, a one-woman band as it were with with lots of strings to your bow can you tell me a little bit about uh, about your day-to-day life
1: yes so I decided to start a business again at the age of 40 I've always had business of my own and um, come from a very entrepreneurial family and I um, didn't really have any resources had a little bit of money to invest into it but what i did have is is a big desire to be able to work for myself again um and very passionate about the fact that there was things that i could offer to the business community in Gibraltar that haven't hadn't been really touched upon yet and that was the whole sort of startup tech Um, Event corporate event and communication industry that, you know, is is big here, but very traditional. So I wanted to do something a little bit more modern and a little bit more um, upbeat, um, looking towards the outside of the world. So I applied to uh, Startup Grind, which is the biggest organization that runs events for startups in the world they have about 2 million people who who they're connected with between startups and and uh, attendees other cities 600 cities in total now and um i use the events platform which is powered by Google for startups to showcase the services that i provide for any brand for any business um in terms of positioning themselves uh, business development and communication within within you know their the circle that they would like to tap into
0: and how has that been for you
1: it's a juggle i have lots to juggle every day so i run these monthly events but i also run a business of my own and um i also do some tv work so i have to try and fit the pieces of the puzzle every day but i think women are good multitaskers And it also keeps it different and exciting. There's no monotony. I can sometimes work, you know, till very late at night, but then the next day I can take it easy for the first half of the day. And it's fun. At the end of the day, I think the biggest part of what I love to do is to make whatever work I deliver fun it has to be relaxed it has to be engaging and it has to be an experience that people will walk away with as something positive so we talk about the good things that are happening in Gibraltar you know touch upon how we can do better for, for sure but you know we're always trying to um, keep the um, momentum of of good practices up.
0: Certainly from the outside it would appear that you know, if somebody's starting up their own business, specifically if it's somebody who's doing it on their own, Mm. it's quite a lonely path to have to tread. But by being part of a community like the one that you've created, it it builds networks, doesn't it, with people? So although people might be in very diverse directions within their business, they're part of a a larger whole.
1: Yeah. I I also have to say, you know, that for me, the value of the event itself is not just the fireside chat, which is with somebody who's very experienced and successful in, in any given industry, educators, you know, people who can give really extremely good insights. Politicians even have graced our stages. But I think at the end of the day, the, the value comes from the networking. And that's something that in Gibraltar, we don't do enough of, I don't think, Um after work seems to be a time to be with the family and that's understandable very family orientated community also but uh a lot of the people who come to my events tell me later on months later or a year later you know i attended your event and i and i was able to get my first client and here i am today uh, a successful business so tapping into that yourself and coming in with the mindset I have an opportunity here to talk to people who might be able to help me. That is the 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 best thing about how we run the events and, and what we want to achieve with the events. But you have to be your own best ambassador. So until people get into that mindset i don't think that they will see the the true value of networking but definitely you know you go to places in the u.s and you start a conversation within 30 seconds they're pitching you about what it is that they do who they work for what project they're running or what startup they want to build
0: i guess it's a a mindset certainly the british mindset is very much about not blowing your own trumpet isn't it yeah (laughs) (laughs) what you're trying to do is encourage people to promote what they're doing and, and then
1: who knows what the future may hold Definitely. I think it's it's very it's essential that not just people create new um concepts and, and build innovation and we use technology in a better way and we we have great new businesses ideas, but it's also such an amazing learning curve to start a business and see where that business goes. And if it doesn't go well it doesn't matter you know we will be able to pick up where we went wrong um, and there is nothing like that and a lot of times you will fail and i think one of the great things about startups is that it's okay because you're starting up and you can adapt and you can change where i started with my own business and the services i offered back from day one Are similar, but they're not the same to what I'm actually doing now, four years on. So I would say, you know, it's a great experience to have whether you're going to professionally embark in a career with another company or in in a certain profession to just dabble in that whole um, environment.
0: Now I attended one of your fireside chats which was about empowering women Mm -hmm. and the whole reason for doing this mini-series on the podcast is because it's International Women's Day at the start of March and and these will go out in March. How important is it that women are given the voice to, you know, become part of the business community and, and have a
1: chance to thrive? Well, it's essential, not important. It's also... Uh, the responsibility of women like me who are in a position to be able to provide a platform to give that voice to other women and the reason that I have incorporated uh, women on stage almost at every event is because I feel that if other women sitting in in that stage in that audience um, feel that look at her, she's done this, you know, they might feel that they can step up their game as well. And I think the best way to lead is by example. I don't feel like I, I'm i a leader in any way. I just think that I want to show other women that if I can do it, they can too. And I think that's probably um, the best part of, of how I've been able to get more um, women's voices and also... Women attending events, I remember when we started, I'd look at the ratio of people um, attending, and it was about 80 to 20. So 80% male to 20 female. I think for the past two years now, we're almost at three years, we, that has changed to about 50 50.
0: Wow. That's a big change, then. Yes, isn't it? it is. You've kind of
1: swung the pendulum the other way. Yes, and and it's important to me. It's not just important because I'm a woman, but it's important to me to be able to have those conversations with women and help build their confidence. Because I think what what most women lack is the confidence to put themselves out there. Whereas you know men don't really bother that much. But I also think we've had the conversations and we talk about how we need to have a more diverse workplace and engage with more women in the workplace but it's actually let's just take more action rather than have more conversations about empowerment let's just do what we need to do the women who can do something and change those things and even with companies incorporating paternity leave now i think that's a huge step in the right direction because i know so many men who would like to spend more time with their newborn and their children and they can't because they're the you know providers and that's how they're seen so it's actually both sides that is important to tackle at the same time it's not just the women issue it's how we tackle men being in those positions where they're seen as the predominant figure of providing for a family, maybe change that um, mindset, that I think would be essentially a way to help women be able to succeed a lot more in the workplace. Now you mentioned
0: that Gibraltar is a very traditional place Mm -hmm. as far as family roles are concerned. Do you feel that it may be a little bit harder here than in other places maybe to to get that that change in mindset?
1: Well, certainly, if you compare to, you know, Scandinavian countries, yes. But I don't think it's hugely different to what you would find in Spain, for example, which is, you know, predominantly a, a, a male-dominated uh, uh, business industry. And I've I've worked with many companies in Spain before, and it's very rare that you'll see a female bank director or a female hotel director Um However, I think Gibraltar is a little bit more modern than that. I think we do give more opportunities to, to women who deserve them. Um, and we actually make a big deal about it when they are uh, getting the the positions that they deserve. So mm, I, I, we have the ability, because we're a small community, to have the important conversations and to make a lot of noise. So I I wouldn't say that we're not doing enough there's always more to do, but I don't think it's harder and I, I because of the fact that we can talk about it, and I also would say that as I see younger generations now unfortunately I'm old enough to say that I think the the family unit is a lot more modern um than it used to be uh I've shared the city pass couch with katrine um who is a mother of triplets and and another child. And she's, you know, her husband is fully hands-on so that she can compete um, in fitness. Um, She's entered Mrs. Gibraltar and just the things that as a woman makes her happy. So I do feel that there is already changes happening.
0: Now, talking about empowerment for women and mm-hmm. success for women, you've just come back from an amazing trip to San Francisco. Yes, for um, startup grind. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: So, San Francisco has been a blast. First of all, um, we were treated like celebrities from the moment we arrived. Even before, you know, we'd been nominated for for quite a few awards, but we didn't know that it was going to happen. So, um, myself and the co-director Margaret. <clears throat> Um, arrived, but there was always a sense that something big was happening because we got treated in a very special. A lot of mention about Gibraltar and the work that we do here, uh, down to the fact that I will tell you, out of the 600 cities in the world, there are different structures for startup grind, and you have um, the traditional structure where you run 12 events per year and you charge for events, small fee, but you know it's it's a commitment. So. And you have to have your sponsorships and two parties per year. They then incorporated for smaller cities um, a new structure called Startup Grind X. And that is for cities of up to 300,000 population. I'm the only person in the world who is managing to pull off uh, the Startup Grind traditional structure in a population of 10 times less mm-hmm. of what they would call a small city. So I am, again, for the Startup Grind Global, a huge example of if you think you can, you can. And and they ask me all the time to participate in, in discussions, in the conference calls and explain to people how I've managed to achieve the consistency the attendance, the level of speakers, um, and just being looked at within the community is something that is very much a part of, of Gibraltar um, business.
0: Fantastic! So yes, we've got just over thirty thousand people here. Exactly. You? <laughs> that just that's just. Speaks volumes, really, about yeah. the work that you've done.
1: Thank you. So you
0: said you you were nominated for awards, and you came home with some trophies, didn't you? Yes,
1: just four. <laughs> no, I'm I'm really really chuffed. I uh, have to say the kindness they've shown me, um, the support and the and the encouragement is a massive part. I'm super proud to have achieved this award, but, but not just for me. It's for everybody who's helped me along the way. It's for the sponsors who believed I was doing something of value and hopefully will continue to do so. <laughs> and, um, and just everything that's, that's happened in the past um, three years, will, will, March will be our three years. We've hosted 36 consecutive events, which is massive when I look back. Um, But winning director of the year this year, which is the top award, um, has meant a lot because I've been the first female recipient of this award since it started in 2013. And again, it felt to me that all the, you know, younger, less experienced ladies who who were present there could see that a woman can actually achieve these things. It's not the norm. But when somebody actually achieves it, it gives them hope. And hope is a massive part of, of what we do and how we do it. So. So I was very, very happy about that. But essentially, you know, I came back with a sense of wanting to do better, uh, work harder, um, present our, our, our experiences even more. Um, and with, that, with the faith that we have to continue to do the great work that we've been doing up until now. And yes, the awards are great recognition. But at the end of the day, what's important is to continue to do the work that we do.
0: So what does the future hold from you, for you looking forward
1: well, I hope um, to achieve good business stability, um, a very positive and encouraging environment for business, and and to hopefully, you know, help as many other initiatives and organizations that I can um, within the time that I have. Um, and then aside from that, I think just having a stability, a personal stability in a sense of, you know, we're doing good things, is, is, is very important. And, and to continue to have a happy and healthy family, that's all I want, basically.
0: <laughs> well, I think most of us will identify with that. My thanks to Denise Matthews for speaking to me. And if you'd like to find out more about Denise's PR business, One Media and Events, or Startup Grind Gibraltar, you can find links to both of those websites in the show notes for this episode. Next week on Gibraltar Stories, I'll be bringing you the story of another inspiring Gibraltar woman. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please consider rating and reviewing Gibraltar Stories on your favourite podcast app or sharing it with your friends. I would be very grateful if you'd do that. Gibraltar Stories is presented, produced and edited by me, Lindsay Weston. Thanks very much for listening and until next time, goodbye for now.